Good evening, Patriots. It's September 27th. As we head into the 28th, it is almost the end of the month. And tonight we are going to be talking about the Eighth Amendment. And all the amendments truly do tie together. So we are going to be looking at the Eighth Amendment tonight. And one of the biggest problems is people just don't understand the Constitution. And you have to have that knowledge to be able to share it. So the Eighth Amendment, this is what it says. The Eighth Amendment to the United States Constitution says, Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel or unusual punishments inflicted. Interesting. So no excessive bail, whatever that means. No excessive fines, whatever that means, and no cruel or unusual punishment. This amendment prohibits the federal government from imposing unduly harsh penalties on criminal defendants, either as a price for obtaining pretrial release or as punishment for a crime after conviction. Hmm, interesting. The Cruel and Unusual Punishment Clause is the most important and controversial part of the Eighth Amendment. In some ways, the clause is shrouded in mystery. What does it mean, cruel and unusual punishment? How do we measure what is cruel and unusual? What punishment is unusual? We do know some things of where it came from. In 1689, before the ratification of the Constitution... They were looking in Great Britain. They often tortured people. And obviously, when you're looking at some of these torture devices that were used, there is not a person in the rational mind that would not consider that cruel or unusual. But these things do change over time, do they not? Solitary confinement was always thought as normal. And now many people consider that cruel and unusual punishment. And I apologize, my dogs are barking tonight and they are dogs and that's what they do. So the idea of what is cruel and unusual 200 years ago and today may be very different. Um, When the Constitution was first ratified, It did not contain the Bill of Rights, and it did not prohibit cruel and unusual punishment. These protections were not added until after the Constitution was ratified. The debates that occurred while the states were deciding whether to ratify the Constitution shed some light on the meaning of cruel and unusual. Now, we know that in today's society, we talk about also due process. You're supposed to be innocent or proven guilty. But in reality, that is just not the case. And you know it. Because what happens when you go to the local, you know, Circle K, the arrest warrants, the pictures, the mugshots. If you're really innocent, why are they putting your picture out there? I guess it's public knowledge you're arrested. But anyone can be arrested for anything. It doesn't mean you are guilty of anything. And that always really bothered me. Yes, it's public knowledge, but... Is it worth rooting someone's life over when you haven't been convicted of anything yet? You haven't even gone before a judge. 
it's always sat wrong. And I've never been a fan of our criminal justice system. One, because it's a money-making system. Our prison institutions are money-making privatized punishment facilities. And the rich usually do get off while the poor suffer. So, cruel and unusual can mean very different things to very different people. All right, let's move forward. Now, we also know that back in the day, people were being fined so much money that they couldn't pay it, and therefore they could not get out of prison. And the founding fathers did not want that to be the case. Basically, that you could, they purposely set everything so high, and the fines were so high, they knew you would never be able to pay them. And therefore, be able to really imprison people forever without any way to get free. And they realized this and they began to look for ways in the New Republic for this not to occur. So let's go back to the Constitution. Now, they were having all these debates um, during the time. And there were some really barbaric punishments. They used to put people in the stockade, you know, in town. There was really some very brutal punishments, including to children. You know, corporal punishment was practiced in the schools right up until, I believe, in the 1950s and 1960s. You know, is it wrong? People used to spank their children. Now you hit a child, it's a felony. Maybe that's part of the problem with society. We then went through the notion with, let's get hard on crime, three strikes, you outlaws, you know, mandatory minimums. And I'll be honest, I don't agree with that either. Just like I do not believe you can win a war on drugs or a war on morality, a war on anything else. And so our notion of law and order has changed depending who's president. And again, the majority is deciding these factors that we are no longer a constitutional republic. Now, when the founding fathers were sitting down, one thing they did talk about also was a death penalty. And this is highly contested because all through history, men and women were executed. And now people, you know, fight against this. Only God can take a life. Well, you know, God took a lot of lives in the Bible, didn't he? Um, God was definitely a God of war, and God definitely took lives in the Bible. So we can't say that there was no notion for a death penalty. And why did we move away from it was because anything like society, a different majority takes over, and their way becomes the norm. Now, whether or not you support the death penalty or not, then they have a whole debate on how to kill somebody. Are there more ways that are more cruel and unusual to kill somebody than another way? Let's debate all this. Um, I think a bullet to the head will just take care of it really easily. Uh, you know, I support the death penalty. I believe, especially now when we have all this DNA evidence, you're not going to have anyone wrongfully convicted. I do believe it's a shame that there were people that were wrongfully convicted. But I will say things were a lot better off back. You know, you've watched the old Clinton Wood Eastwood movies. You know, Clinton Eastwood, they murder his family, goes out, he takes care of business. Honestly, that's how it should be. If criminals really 
fear the criminal justice system, they wouldn't have crimes. And the three strikes you out rules really didn't affect the mastermind criminals. It affected the petty low-life criminals, often drug addicts, often that couldn't afford good legal representation. And they were the ones that really suffered more than anybody under these kind of laws like mandatory minimums, which I disagree with, or the three strikes, you're out. Now, as I said in my other podcasts, I am a libertarian. So I believe in personal responsibility. I don't believe in a nanny state and everything is criminalized. Do you know we have so many criminal laws, no one even knows what the laws are? We have things that are, they say are laws and not even laws. But we think they're laws. It is so confusing. I believe in personal responsibility. And almost, you know, like that Toby Keith song says, you know, let us take care of justice. And I think things might not have gone the way our country did. A lo- the fact that convicted felons lose their firearm rights is nothing more than to subvert the Second Amendment. And so many of the other things we've talked about, the red flag laws and such, are ways of adding to their agendas. Because all prison does is makes a criminal a better criminal. It doesn't rehabilitate them. It doesn't serve lessons for them. It makes them a better criminal and more resentful towards the government. And maybe they want that. Now, I will tell you someone firsthand that has come face to face. I'm not a fan of law enforcement. I, I know some very upstanding police officers. Unfortunately, it's a business. And even they have told me policing is a business and revenue has to be gotten from somewhere. Um, I really hate to say it. I think there's some wonderful police officers, but I've had run-ins with some that uh, it just makes your head spin. And I do know they lie. I've seen it firsthand. I do know they are corrupt in some places. And again, they have to make money. So even those that go into law enforcement, a lot of times they don't want to follow that path are forced to because they don't have a choice. Similar to a doctor that's told, you will charge this, this, and this because that's what you have to do to work here. So let's go back now to the Eighth Amendment and see what um, else we can learn about it. What is excessive bail? Well, that really would depend on the person, would it not? What's excessive to one person may not be excessive to another. But I will tell you that the fact that you can be held, I literally saw people in jail that could not come up with $400 worth of bail money. I also, I'll be honest, they needed to decriminalize drugs. They needed to decriminalize victimless crimes. And I don't want to go down that road because I'm just not going to. But what our laws are so arbitrary and so open to interpretation. We have so many laws and that is the problem. And that's what brought in the police state. Because the more laws you have 
And then you can start adding things that aren't even laws, but people believe they are because they are put out in such a way. All right. Let's go back into this a little bit. It says excessive bails shall not be required nor excessive fines imposed. I really would like to know who defines this. If Tom Cruise thinks, you know, a million dollars is nothing, nothing, someone else might find $10 absorbent. So, um, again, it's so arbitrary when you look at where the laws have come from. Now, how does it affect where we are today in our society? Well, as I said, the over-legislation and all tyrannies begin to do that because to become a police state, to become a dictatorship, to become a socialist entity, you have to take control. And you can take control between because everything is illegal. And again, because if you convict someone of a felony, they will lose their gun rights. They won't be able to work. You'll make them a better criminal. Um, before the scandemic hit, I was very, very involved in this. I really, really feel our criminal justice system needed to be, up, you know, really just redone. Um, judges were legislating off the benches, and some of the legislation that was coming down was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I really don't know if we're in a place that we can go back to that anymore because. The least of our worries now is this. Due process is gone. We, are, we can arrest people under the guise of some emergency or a national crisis or call them a domestic terrorist. And that, according to the government, is our, they can just throw away their amendments. They don't have to, like, you know, have due process. They can throw them in jail forever, like the Tower of London, and be done with it. That is not, that's not our country. That's not what we're about. Now, I'm going to say something very radical. I never trusted the criminal justice system, and I would never have anything to do with them. If I really felt that, um, I'm going to be hypothetical. The political prisoners on January 6th. First of all, nobody needed to be in Washington that day. That was the most retarded thing I ever heard of in my life. Nothing comes out of a good of a protest and rally, even at a state house. Okay, great. 500 people showed up. They showed solidarity. Now what? Why don't those 500 people stand in front of a closed business and exercise their Second Amendment rights? You understand what I'm saying, patriots? Okay? There was no reason to be there on January 6th. It was a setup. And if, and if you didn't know that going down there, I'm sorry. Um, the people took a risk going there. I would not have been there if you had offered me a million dollars. I knew something bad was going to happen. And I originally thought it would be like a mass shooting in the crowd and they'd blame it on somebody or something like that. Again, the false flag narrative. Our Constitution does ebb and flow with the generations. A couple of interesting tidbits before I sign off tonight. I collect antiques, and you know I have antique bottles of cocaine and heroin. I do. Um, it was widely prescribed. They gave it to babies for teething. 
um, so much of what we know as bad or good changes as society changes. As I said, spanking a child, getting into a fight in school that didn't used to be a zero tolerance policy, carrying a small knife was normal or a hunting knife, or even putting a rifle in the back of your pickup truck, seatbelt laws, all these things are just one, just compounding. People become so used to everything being illegal, the government can sneak in. And that tyranny can get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. I spoke last night um, about groups called the militia and the Second Amendment. And many people don't even realize that our founding fathers could not have seen everything that happened today. They could not have. But they understood enough from what they saw to be fearful for us. Um, how can they keep people locked up for months without going before a judge and having a trial? What is a speedy trial? Who defines that? What is cruel and unusual? What is bail? Would you have been taken? Would you run? You know, um, you watch those shows that almost got away with it. A lot of people do. I don't think that's going to be our biggest problem anymore. Our biggest problem is going to be literally escaping tyranny. And I don't even know how we're going to be able to do that at this point. Because our court system pretty much shut down when the scandemic hit and still hasn't come back. They're not hearing cases. They're not hearing civil cases. There are churches that are sued about the civil liberties being taken away. People, organizations. And they're not being heard. How can that be? Two years later, not even to get before a judge. Because they can. Who's going to make them? Who is going to make them? Patriots, all we can do is stand up for what we can do. And what we can do is the rights that we have, the ability to exercise we need to and not be afraid to. And those that we can't do anything about, we need to speak out about and try to educate as much as possible. And there's no reason for us to put ourselves in situations like January 6th. And, but yet there's no reason for the government to break their Bill of Rights by holding people without due process of law. We are living in very dark days. And they're going to get darker. And anyone that can't see that is truly deluding themselves. I want to end with this tonight. History teaches us mistakes. We don't lock people in the Tower of London. But I want to tell you something interesting. Have you ever seen the movie The Man with the Iron Mask? Masks were used as punishment 
for criminals for thousands of years. That is very, very scary. And to see that people are ignorant of that is terrible. People do not understand history. So they don't understand what cruel and unusual is. Is prison cruel and unusual? I do believe solitary confinement is, yes. I believe it can make you go insane. I also don't think that we should have the largest prison population in the world. People are being sent away. It's just amazing what people are convicted of. Because they don't even know the laws. And the laws change constantly. Once the laws become so complex and we are so scared of the government, it's easier to get the sheeple to comply. I really urge you to read the Constitution and understand it. Read it. Read the Bill of Rights. But read the history around it. Read what was happening at the time. Read the thoughts of the Founding Fathers so you get a full picture of what it is. Please, please, please think of this. Think about the times we are living in and what we may be facing. Ask yourself, what is cruel and unusual punishment? What is excessive bail? What happened to the notion of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? When did government have the right to seize people's property on a mere suspicion? When did we become so fearful that we're afraid to speak the truth? When did we become so fearful we're afraid to stand up for the truth? When did we become so fearful I guess we've evolved into a society of fear and that's how we know when people fear the government, that's tyranny. When the government fears the people, it's a constitutional republic. Those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. That was Thomas Paine. The Eighth Amendment was created because the Founding Fathers wanted to protect the people against unfair treatment by the government because of what they experienced with the British. Are we willing to do the same thing? Are we willing to stand up? And when will that time be? I am Kalishna Kitty. 
I pray that you will read the Bible. I pray that you'll read the Constitution. And I pray that you seek guidance and wisdom in everything you do. Have a blessed night.